here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Table here at Voices of Wrestling. It's me, Arnold Furious, and with me is Ollie Kors. Hey, hey. And we're talking about progress uh, today. We've got two shows to take a look at, so we're uh, we're going to dive right in with uh, Chapter Twenty Three. What a time to be alive! Uh, we had this one, Ollie. Uh, no, I was not. I've been very busy writing away about uh, other things other than wrestling which is very annoying and not what my life schooling is. So I haven't been able to attend any shows for a while, but oh well. <laughs> Demand progress has me sorted. That's okay. No problem. Um, so this was the last show of the year from Camden. Um, so they were trying to go out with a, a bit of a bang. Uh, first match on this show was Big Daddy Volta against Rampage Brown, and they broke the ring. Yep, they did. Uh, progress decided to release like, uh, the video of it on YouTube, I guess, to hype it up a little bit. Um, I'd say... I could hear it squeaking, <laughs> like, in the uh, the first couple of Irish whips into the yeah, corner. It was you, like, that's, that was doesn't a little sound healthy. Where Rampage Brown lent on the rope uh, at, at the start of a match and was like, oh dear. <laughs> <laughs> so, clearly, whoever's job uh, to fix that ring up didn't uh, quite do it as well as he could have. Um but it made for a good it probably visual would have been anyway, okay so. if it hadn't had two uh, two giant men in the first yeah. uh, match. It might have survived a bit longer. And the commentators like sold it really well, and they worked around it really well, so it didn't impede the match. Made for a good. Uh... Well, I think it actually improved it. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it kind of gave it a a feel that like uh, you, at the end of the year, or, well, she's only a month away, but like it, it's the kind of thing you'll look back on and think. Oh, I remember that match. They they broke the ropes. <laughs> they broke the ring Definitely. and just carried it makes on. Makes it much more memorable. Makes them look bigger and stronger. And yeah, it really uh, nails down that uh, Irish whip into the corner for uh, Big Daddy Volta yeah. when he comes back. They whenever he back. does that, the crowd will <laughs> be like, "Oh!" <laughs> Clearly, um, the commentators RJ Singh and Glenn Joseph haven't been watching their 2002 SmackDown tapes though, because they said like. Um, this is the first time we've ever seen anything like this happen. <laughs> I was thinking of uh, the Rockers and the Heart Foundation when the the, the rope 
broke off uh, during the the actual tag title change uh, match. I forget what year it is. I'm going to say '88. That's probably wrong. Um, but the the match uh, kind of continued, and they they kind of hooked a headlock, and it was being taped. Uh, so they were like, you know, we'll try and fix the ring, and it just didn't work. But, um, but I thought these two guys did really well working around the the broken rope when uh, uh, Volta kind of headed up to the the first oh, <laughs> for yeah. a, a bottom rope move. Go for a little splash. Um, yeah, and I kind of um, showed how they were working around it, but uh, it's not easy to work a match without the ropes, and I, I thought they did pretty well with it. Yeah, and they certainly like they other. chucked each other around, and um, like both guys are just mentally strong to be able to like slam each other like the cruiserweights. So that was very impressive. There was a a really really meaty power bomb uh, that Rampage took, where he just kind of bounced a little bit, and <laughs> um, so they they really didn't uh, hold back. Definitely. So yeah, I really enjoyed that. It was a good start to the show. Despite the uh, technical difficulties. Yeah, and I enjoyed their little exchange at the end where... Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> like, they just started slapping just each other. Slapping each other. And yeah. then uh, decided to shake hands. I thought that was very manly of them. It's, it's kind of a, a... A version of a handshake. The old, uh, I'll slap your face, you slap mine. <laughs> and then they shook hands. So. Yeah, I'd love to see Volta uh, back in progress. He's taken two losses now to Brown, but, like... He's still protected. Like he's only lost to Brown, who's a higher up contender. So they could definitely bring him back, maybe for next year's Strong Style tournament. That'd be cool. So they're definitely running that sort of. Is that summertime next year? Um, it's around May, May June, yeah. May June, yeah. I'm looking forward to it already. Definitely. Like I think um, voices of wrestling, we're gonna make like a big deal of that. Like do a preview of it. Like do a big podcast dedicated to it. That's definitely gonna oh, be like funny. a highlight of. Uh, the calendar. Does, does that mean we we get invited on if they're doing a like a British wrestling podcast? <laughs> <laughs> uh, potentially, yeah. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> okay, uh, moving on to the the second match, uh, we had the Natural Progression Series three uh, quarterfinal. Three guys involved in this one: uh, Shen Wu, uh, who's somebody on. Uh, uh, Twitter, I can't remember who it was, but they called him Baby Kawada. <laughs> uh, versus Damon Moser and Jack Sexsmith. Uh, what a unique gimmick that gentleman has. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's very eye-catching, <laughs> to say the least. Um, like, I first saw him at an Endeavour show in over the summer, and like he just stole the show completely. Like He comes out, he throws condoms around, I catch one of them, so, you know, <laughs> that's my link to him. Um, Have you got that framed? You're going to get him to sign. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, he had a match with Eddie Dennis, and it was just, it was probably the funniest comedy match I've ever seen live. So, and it's difficult to do comedy wrestling effectively, and he's mastered it already, seemingly. And here he goes full on and brings out a gimp and yeah I, he had me won over straight from the the second the the music from pulp fiction kicked in yeah <laughs> and then out comes the gimp and it's like it, I, at first gimp. i thought he was inside the suit <laughs> but i thought he actually looked a bit <laughs> big but um yeah that was, that was terrific uh, character we've been saying about the uh, guys who come out of the projo uh that they come out with these 
fully developed gimmicks. And um, this is another a fine example of one. I think he's yeah, uh, doing brilliant stuff right off the bat. Someone's clearly a fan of Tarantino in the progress management because this is the second time they've done a, a Tarantino track over a reference to the film. It's from... Well, given um, the ages of the guys, I'd say they're probably... <laughs> That's that's right in their territory. Yeah, definitely. And yeah, just Sex Smith. <laughs> just just Sex Smith. He just has a, a v- variety of um, toys he can pull out. Literally, he starts a match with pulling out a dildo and <sighs> threatening the other two wrestlers with it. <laughs> I, we watch uh, quite a lot of Japanese wrestling, and you get stuff like that in Japan. Uh, I'm thinking like uh, Dino in in DDT, the the, the world famous BBC star Dan Shoko Dino. <laughs> uh, um, After fresh off his appearance on How They Got News for You, yeah, uh, they had um, wasn't Joey Ryan the um, the guy that was in the 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 squad like the square yeah. of the four people. It was Joey and Ryan. Mich- David Mitchell throwing to a clip of that and like that's not something I expected. <laughs> you just don't see things like that, boy. You do, <laughs> apparently, but, um, yeah, Jack Sexsmith. He's got that same kind of ambiguous, uh, but he doesn't take it as far as Dino. There is a little bit of the. Uh, kissing of men involved but you're still not quite oh, sure yeah. about like, him he's D- just kind of Dino is sort of completely out of a closet whereas Sexsmith is sort of shrouded in mystery he likes um, sort of toying with your expectations of what his sexuality actually is uh, in my review I called him a cartoonishly sexual enigma so yeah I, I think it's it's like a, it's a strong gimmick it's over the top completely I think if uh, Rob was here uh, he's too busy Oh, Podca- Robert hate it. Podcasting with Sugar, like he, he, he would bury it completely. Um, but yeah, as like a comedy segment with no geezers on this show, so Sexsmith sort of takes over that role. Yeah, yeah it I, I do love comedy. I really do. Um, if it's done right, wrestling comedy is just the best. Um, the problem that most people have with with comedy uh, wrestling is that they've only ever seen what WWE does. Uh, which more often than not isn't funny. Mm. Uh, Vince McMahon and I do not share a sense of humour. <laughs> not even close. And you certainly wouldn't see something like this on a, a Vince show. It's just not. I, I would not like to see Jack Sexsmith in Vince McMahon's hands, that's for sure. I'd, well, he wouldn't even know what to what to do with that. It's just, well, you can't even put it anything he does on television. So... Uh, <laughs> Yeah. Um, so we're kind of doing the other two a bit of a disservice here because we kind of just spoke about Jack uh, Sexsmith all time. Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, Damon Moser, I thought looked really good. Um, coming in, I kind of thought he was a little bit bland, but his strikes were really on point. And of the actual work in the match, I know most of it was comedy, but the actual like um, the serious wrestling in there. Moser was the man. Mm, definitely. Like, like, the stuff I'm looking forward to seeing him in the one-on-one semi-final, whoever he faces. I it might he might face Ashton Smith. Um if they're doing like a bracket style and have Sebastian face Eva. Um or it could just be completely random. But it'll be interesting to see who Moser faces because we haven't really seen him 
in a big match scenario. I've seen I saw him at that Endeavor show and he faced Wild Boar in a very uh, bland match. But it'll be interesting to see him on a chapter show in the big environment, see what he can actually do in the ring because like he didn't get any chance here. But I thought he did really well with what he had, and um, it might have been limited. But I thought with the percentage of things that he landed was pretty much a hundred. Like everything that he he went for looked good, which um, I'll take that ratio from a from a rookie. I thought he did really well. Uh, Shen Wu um, allowed some truly disgusting things to be done to him, <laughs> um, all in the name of entertainment, which is fair play to him. Um, obviously he kind of looked inexperienced, but um, he's got a, a good look. Like right oh, out yeah, the gate, definitely. it's like, like he walks out and you're like, ah, this I, I can see myself getting behind this guy. Definitely, and not in a Jack Sexsmith kind of way. <laughs> uh, interesting fun fact. It's not interesting or fun, but it is a fact. <laughs> uh, I sat next to one of these three men at NXT Takeover London, just out re- completely randomly. I won't name names, but you know. What right next to? As in right next to. Oh. <laughs> okay. Uh, I did notice there were quite a few people in the crowd at NXT London that um, were of the wrestling persuasion. Yeah. To look like a, a show everyone wanted to see. <laughs> Definitely. We, we'll, we, we might just touch on that later if we get time. Oh yeah, I mean it was sort of British wrestling, so yeah. Yeah, there, there was a British wrestler in it. Uh, <laughs> okay, uh, so third match. Uh, we have the battle of the guys who've lost to Will Ospreay recently, uh, Paul Robinson against Mark Haskins. And how good is Mark Haskins at the moment? Oh, he's on fire. Like, the second half of 2015 for him has been absolutely fantastic. He's, he's like it, If he'd been this good the entire year and showed the, the, the kind of range of skills that he's, he's showing at the moment, he'd be my wrestler of the year. Like British wrestler of the year, which I think is probably Osprey because he's been at it for, for the whole 12 months. But uh, Haskins second half of the year has just been great. Yeah, I probably would transitions and stuff. So good. I still probably wouldn't put him above Osprey just because I think Osprey is like literally one of the 10 best wrestlers in the world right now. Um, I think well, that's how good Haskins has been. <laughs> He's been up there. <laughs> yeah, Haskins has had a tremendous year. Um, in no matter who he's facing, no matter in what situation, like he's really risen to it. Yeah, and this this was a pretty good match. Um, it was a tricky booking decision uh, because whoever lost was going to lose more than just the match. It was a case of they they'd go, they'd, they'd have been in the title match and then come down one faced each other, and whoever lost that was going to you know, maybe drop off a little bit. And um, I think Haskins is the right guy to go over, but where does that leave Paul Robinson? Um, Haskins, yeah, definitely the right guy to go over. Um, Robinson probably drops down the card a little bit now. He wasn't on Chapter 24. Um, he's just kind of like the tertiary heel in progress right now. They're focusing on skill and the origin. Mm. Um, and Robinson, they sort of gave him his moment, and now he sort of has to work his way back up again. We talked about this before, the sort of cyclical nature of uh, the card. Um, he's a little bit lost about Jimmy Havoc and the regression thing going on. I don't think there's really room for another uh, stable um, with the Origin being as, as strong a unit as they are and being featured so highly up the card. 
it's um, it'd be difficult, I think, to to create a faction around him. Um, perhaps a tag team. Perhaps Maybe. make it go back to uh, Isaac Zercher from the regression days. Um, I noticed in this match, uh, Haskins has, has gotten so good technically that uh, Robinson wasn't really a match for him in that respect, and he resorted to some of um, some of his kind of throwback flying stuff from when he was a, a babyface. Um, I, I thought that was interesting that he had to change his approach. Quite a lot of the match was worked around just Robinson being like attacked by Haskins from all sides and having to just fight his way out of holds and submissions. Yeah, it's, and... It came across a little bit like like desperation, like what 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 can I do yeah. here without getting uh, completely out-wrestled. And I thought when Robinson was in control, the match sort of slowed down a bit. Uh, like his offense wasn't as interesting as Haskins. Like he was much more interesting when he was just trying to fight Haskins off. Yeah, yeah. The, the Haskins stuff, especially the, the technical stuff, um, was was really really good in this. Oh yeah, he's like on another level right now in terms of technical wrestling and his combos of moves as well. Like he's a Street Fighter character. Like he can turn oh. he can turn a slam into an armbar into whatever turn into and brings a Saturn submission like the way he like links his offense together is so bloody brilliant <laughs> it's that, smooth as well it's like this he does things that are very difficult and he makes them look very yeah. easy he's clearly thought a lot about how moves can link into each other and like he doesn't play to the crowd very much he just plays to the crowd with just his like ability, I guess. Yeah, by being great, <laughs> and that's what made his match with Osprey uh, one of the best matches in Progress history. Just the way those two linked moves together and reversed them, and it was just special. Well, I quite like the the match with Champa in that respect because he kind of got fed up with the whole uh, playing to the crowd thing. He just wanted to be serious. He wanted to prove that he was a better guy, and that's how that match ended up going. Uh, that's that's what he's like against just about everyone. He's all business. He just wants to get out there and prove that he's the best. Definitely. And Which is what he's doing. We can segue that into talking about Tommaso Ciampa in the next match. Oh, <laughs> how convenient. Uh, yeah, he's working uh, Marty Skull. I don't, has Ciampa ever won a match in uh, Progress? He well, defeated to this point. Uh, Big Demo in the first round of the Super Strong Style Tournament. Yes, yes, he did. You're right. I mean, he's he's never left a chapter undefeated. <laughs> I mean, he's been beaten at every chapter. Um, yeah, I was kind of expecting him to lose here, and he did. <laughs> <laughs> well, he at least they gave him the out here, but like, um, the only reason he lost is because Skull cheated, and that it was this was more of a Skull match, really, in that it was trying to highlight Skull's new attitude, really push home that. He, ha- he has nothing to do with the old Marty Skull who played to the crowd and had fun, that this was a guy just cheating to win and uh, not caring about the consequences. And He didn't even do an entrance in it, uh, here. He just came out and attacked I thought him. that was very smart because like, yeah. his entrance is very over, doing the whoop, whoop. And <laughs> there's none of that anymore. And they even... having, having sat next to Rob uh, at a Rev Pro show, I can testify that he does that. Oh, I do it too. It's infectious. <laughs> I don't. I can't bring myself to do it because I hate Marty Skull. <laughs> I, I do. I, I I admire him as a worker, but like, um, he just winds me up. 
and I've never quite been able to put my finger on why, but that's what he is. He's a heel. Oh yeah, he's, I'm, I'm supposed to dislike him. He, he do, fits so he's doing the heel job. so much better. Like the top knot, just <laughs> everything. I just think if he was a face, I would still hate him. <laughs> <laughs> and he he has been a face pretty much his entire progress run, despite being the villain. Yeah, so, I, I just I'd never really thought of him as a face. Maybe it's just my hater kind of overwhelms the the crowd's reactions <laughs> a bit. I don't know. So he. He's essentially eliminated all his crowd-friendly interactions. Um, yeah, he, like he did do the chicken wing, um, but he didn't keep going for it and yelling chicken wings. Yeah, so. <laughs> he's he, he's toning everything down. He's turning it all into, or he's subverting it. I think he's doing. They're doing a good job of that. They need to keep cementing it, keep pushing it um, over his next few matches because it's not an overnight thing to completely change around his character. But they're doing a good job of it so far. Well, the crowd has certainly responded and have disliked him openly, whereas I think there's a lot of people who were on the fence before. Like I say, he's he's basically kind of a heel, but he wasn't behaving that heelishly. And the crowd have disliked him quite a lot since mm. um, the the promo that he cut after the... Is it after the Chris Travis match or was it on the next yeah, show? the next remember. show. Yeah. Yeah, that was... Um, that was a, actually a very strong promo. Um, when he described himself as a piece of shit, I was like, yeah, there, there you go. That's perfect. He's playing to you, though. <laughs> yeah, playing to me, yeah. I, I think he is a piece of shit. But um, I think this this mainly steps back to um, he almost hit my wife in the eye with his umbrella during an entrance oh, wow. once. <laughs> I, I have just never been able to let go of that. It's like, for fuck's sake, watch what you're doing. What happened there? Did he throw it or no, he was, uh, swing it around? Coming down the ramp on um, at Rev Pro, and my wife was on like an aisle seat, and he was just waving it around, and it was at head height. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, so... Um, <laughs> well, he he was a heel in Rev Pro at the time, so... He was. Good, good heel heat. <laughs> he should, should still be more careful. <laughs> um... Uh, something I want to talk about in this match. Um, they tried to make it seem like a real uh, personal violent feud as as the match went on, but I wasn't really feeling that sort of throughout. So when uh, Champa kind of uh, pulled the board, uh, pulled the mat up to expose the boards, kind of doing the whole Lesnar Undertaker yeah. thing, I didn't feel like he'd been provoked to uh, that degree. I completely agree with you here. I think... The match was really strong um, up until that point, and then he like starts to take apart the ring, and it's just like, why? Why, why did he decide to do that? There was no obvious reason. It felt like but... a it was like a competitive back and forth match, and Skull was was working as the heel, but it wasn't that bad, was it? Uh, I <laughs> this, this, is, this is a problem with I've had with Shampa as a character in progress is that he has no. Nothing he does makes any sense. Like, when he came out for the Haskins match, he's all jolly and like, oh, Ooh, I'm WWE Entertainer. And then he does his 180, which I didn't get. Like, I feel like it's he's banging the subtlety hammer here. And, like, here he... He's supposed he, to be nuts. I get that he's supposed to be the psycho killer, but it's not something I can connect with because none of his actions make any sense, I suppose. Like, I get it might pop some other people, but it, does, it doesn't get, get with get into my head as, like, something that is meaningful. 
Yeah. So we're we're on the same page with that one. Yeah, I, definitely. I didn't and get like, it. Mm. He had the advantage as well. He just chucked Skull into the crowd. He was winning the match, and then he decides to take his eye off the ball by ripping apart the ring and giving Skull a chance to cheat, which he takes. That was his wins. opening, wasn't it? <laughs> so it it was just a bit of an odd move that didn't make much sense and sort of took me out of the match a bit. But it was a really strong match, like excellent strong style wrestling. I know Progress like to push the strong style banner, and they definitely did that here. Yeah, I think if it had a, a different finish, if it had a a more combative finish as opposed to a, a booked one, um, I think that the match could have cracked four stars. Oh yeah, definitely. I feel like sometimes Progress do get let the booking get a little bit away from them. Like, they sort of feel they have to protect a heel or... Uh, Get out, get out of a match in a convoluted way. It's kind of sports entertainmenty, and it's not the sort of stuff you'd see in Japan, where they, they only ever book a match to finish with a proper finish. Yeah, it, I did enjoy uh, Marty's finish here with the um, I don't know what you call it, a cord that was tying the yeah. um, the ring uh, mat down. He used that as a choke. But then he used the chicken wing to conceal that he was that yeah, he was choking. I, I, I thought that was really definitely. clever. Definitely, that was another great um, move that cements Skull's new attitude. But he'll not only cheat to win, but he'll he's clever enough to hide it. I thought that was a really good good bit. Oh, so we agree on everything. We need Rob here to argue <laughs> stuff. <laughs> also, I, I like the new music because it's so depressing and so unlike uh, the old. Yeah, one. I'll talk about that later. <laughs> I, I have an issue with that. Okay, I look forward to um, it. Okay, so the next match was the, the tag title match. Uh, Sumerian Death Squad uh, against the Riots against the Origin, and that was uh, Nathan Cruz and El Ligero. Um, good run for the for the Death Squad, um, but they decided to make a change here, put the belts on the Origin. Uh, what do you think of that? Um, well, I think they only had two title defences in the end, but they were very, very strong title defences. Like, those are two matches against the Hunter Brothers and then Team America of Roderick Strong and Adam Cole that I will remember for quite a long time. Mm. Uh, two of the better matches of progress this year, or ever, really. Um, but maybe it's good to put them in chase mode for now. Well, before the show, we were talking about the possibility of of the origin winning the titles because we felt uh, SDS and, and the riots were going to enter into like a program, uh, which is exactly what happened. So either they're listening to us <laughs> or we're just kind of on the same wavelength, presumably the latter. I, I can't imagine that uh, you've got Jim Smallman sat down and going like, Oh, that's a great idea. We'll do that. <laughs> it's highly unlikely. I mean, but, I'm, happy, um, I'm happy to take credit for the booking, <laughs> if that is true. <laughs> he did send me a tweet saying uh, that you read my uh, the History of Wrestling book, so um, maybe. maybe <laughs> Hi, Jim. <laughs> um, the origin. Um, I've, I'm not overly keen on them as a group. Uh, I love El Ligero as a heel. I think Nathan Cruz is just a he's a heat machine. Mm-hmm. Um, but having them all as kind of equals, I, I'm not sure about it. Mm. Dave Mastiff sure sort of that. seems like a bit of a cheerleader so far. He hasn't really had like that big singles match to cement himself as a team member. Um, but generally, I think they're doing pretty good work. Like 
um, their wins are annoying. Like, whenever they <sighs> win, it's always cheap, it's always unsatisfying. It will mean that when they eventually do get beaten, it's going to be so satisfying. So, they're building them up well, even if it's not, like, match quality, star rating kind of thing. They're, they're building to that payoff really well. Yeah, you, you didn't like this one very much, uh, from what I remember from uh, reading the review, uh, review on Voices of Wrestling. Uh, yeah, I kind of buried this match just because I was sick of seeing the Sumerian Death Squad not being used properly. Like, I, we talked about this on the ICW episode, but um, their entire role in the cage match on Fear and Loathing 8 was to leave the cage and not wrestle. And I just feel like that happened here again. The progress car crash happened, which is a term that I've now uh, put in. <laughs> is that patented, is it? <laughs> I, I patented it, yeah. Registered progress trademark. Progress car crash. Um, and once again, the Sumerian Death Squad are the ones throwing guys into the crowd. And like it's mental when that happens right in front of you, certainly. But the Sumerian Death Squad are so good in the ring. And it's just unfortunate that they're being held to punches, kicks, and... Uh, Throwing uh, people I, into the back I'm row. not overly keen on the the brawl around the arena thing unless it's been built up. Yeah, and it was to a certain degree in that the, the booking coming into this had kind of lent towards uh, everyone hates the origin. Um, but it just it just seemed a bit freeform and it felt a bit forced, definitely. Like they were having a bit of a wrestle to start with and then Tommy N takes a mic and goes this is he fucking boring and boring <laughs> boring bullshit he called it <laughs> i think it was cuz he was getting headlocked a lot the, the the origin were doing a lot of headlocking yeah they were doing 80s territory <laughs> heat work yeah i think that was very deliberate and they were trying to get to uh, get heat that way but um it didn't make for much of a much of a match and then when it broke down i didn't think it was that good either and then once they all got back into the ring it was time to do the finish and so there was really no match here at all like there was no <laughs> meat in the sandwich yeah that's that's pretty much it wasn't it i mean I, there was there was two ways to go about this either have the origin get beaten up by both teams which would have been quite fun or to, to have dissension between the two face teams and they went with the, the latter although they could have done the former Earlier on, I think that would have been fun. It would have been fine for them to to get uh, you know beaten all over the place in like an opening shine. That would have been fine, I think. Maybe do the the brawling all over the place before the headlocking. Um, should we describe the finish of the match? Uh, um, from what I recall, it was a cricket bat um, of the riots. Yeah. Uh, miscuing. I think it was Tommy N got hit. Liguero stole one of the cricket bats on the outside and then hit end with it when he was aiming for one of the Origin guys. Um, oh, <laughs> no, he was aiming for one of the riots and then he hit end and then something happened. It was a schmoz and... I think uh, Cruz rolled up Tommy End. Yeah, End definitely got pinned, which I think is the second time in a row he's been pinned, if that means Yeah, anything. it was. Um, I remember that last time. So yeah, the origin steal a victory, and once again, everyone was like out of time on the finish. It was it felt very forced and unsatisfying, uh, which ha- which was a main complaint of mine on in their foot their eight man tag match from mm. the last chapter. So that's twice in a row now. The same problems have happened, and I'm kind of I'm just bored of this format with the three I'd, teams. I'd be okay with it if other. if eventually you know the origin get beaten up for for ten minutes. 
um, that would be a, a fairly suitable payoff for me. Because uh, if you chat shit, you get banged. Mm-hmm. As progress uh, want to remind us. <laughs> <laughs> Chapter 25, chat shit, get banged. Oh, is it officially? Yeah. Awesome. I, I, They may have asterisked out the the eye and shit, but it's definitely that. Excellent. <laughs> Jamie Vardy will be thrilled. Uh, that that will probably be a very dated reference in about five years' time. <laughs> uh, yeah, probably. Well, he's still got that, that goal record, though, so uh. never know. Anyway, moving on. Uh, the semi-main event was uh, Flash Morgan Webster against Zach Gibson, uh, with Webster putting his uh, Progression Series 2 trophy on the line and the title shot that comes with it. Uh, this is the biggest difference between us in terms of um, match ratings, I would say. Because uh, I read your review and you went, like I think it was three and a quarter, three and a half? Three and a half, yeah. Three and a half. Uh, I went two. <laughs> um, so that is the, by far the biggest um, gap between us on this show. Well, you're not a fan of either guy, so... Not really. Um, Webster, I think, is fine if he's working somebody else who does flippity stuff. And... That really isn't Zach Gibson at all. And I think Gibson is fine if he's just doing Matt stuff where he doesn't have to think about anything. He's just, you know, chaining and uh, counters and stuff. And the technical side of things on the on the ground, he's fine. Um, so for me, uh, just a bit of a clash of styles here. Um, Gibson spent a lot of the match kind of standing, waiting for things to happen and telegraphing the moves before they happened. And that happened a lot in this match. And it, every time it, it was like every time I saw it, it kind of dragged the rating down a bit more. <laughs> uh, see, I was the other way. I thought that their styles meshed pretty well. Like, um, Webster was sort of fly expected. by the seat of your pants offense sort of mixed well with Gibson being able to be easily frustrated. And Gibson sort of dominating Webster trying to find some open space. Um, I thought that was generally quite good. Okay, yeah, there were there were good spots in there. I was expecting it to be worse. Um, for, from my personal feelings towards them and the styles that they've got, I was expecting a lot worse. Um, but they did get some good stuff in. I thought Webster in particular, yeah, the, that Spider Man thing he did off the the balcony, the lower balcony, yeah, uh, for the moonsault. He he had a spectacular run of like five moves where he did his um like plancher dives and then like the knee um into a few rows of chairs and then of course the moonsault flip from the uh I believe they call that the uh the chairman's position. Um Right. <laughs> yeah, so actually I enjoyed Webster here a lot more than than usual. But uh for me Gibson he has trouble when it comes to making something look legitimate and in wrestling you've got to try and make everything look legitimate so when webster was coming flying at him he's he's standing there with his arms out and i'm like why yeah. would you do that yeah, if, okay. if, it's, if it's a legitimate match why would you do that uh perfect person to watch in a, a way to try and fix this is dean malenko he had this thing where he wouldn't he'd be using his peripherals he'd be watching what was going on at the corner of his eye and then he'd turn around at the last second, and then it didn't look like he was catching someone. It'd just be like 
boom, and there'd be a, he'd, he'd catch him, but it didn't look like he was catching him. There we go. <laughs> yeah. So there's there's a tip for Zach Gibson. Watch some Dean Malenko and get the peripherals on the go. Uh, Webster also hit um, the first of two Flamita moves tonight, where he did his uh, four flif- four fifty splash. Four fifty. Four fifty. <laughs> onto Gibson towards the end, uh, which was super impressive. That's probably the best move I've ever seen Webster hit. Usually he's quite scrappy with that kind of thing, but yeah, that was picture perfect. Um, yeah, his, his flying was pretty much on point during this um, match. And when we talk about 24, um, he was really good in that match as well. And I think it's he's possibly reached a, a stage where his flying has actually evolved yeah. um, to a, another level, which is good. It's good for him. It's good for business um but towards the end of the match uh gibson locked on his shankly gate submission arm lock thing <laughs> and then uh yeah. nathan mccruz knocks webster's boot off the off the uh rope uh allowing gibson to move him back into the ring for the victory and to take the trophy and the title shot away uh did you like the story development um I did until they switched the match um, at 24 because it kind of it felt like it was there was a longer storyline coming into play and then it was like oh he can have a, he can be in the title match anyway <laughs> yeah they, like, well, what, what was the point of this match then they definitely hot shotted it a bit it would have been nice to see like maybe Webster have to earn his way back in yeah instead of just getting a title shot anyway yeah. I, I get lost. that it was supposed to be like, oh, he got screwed out of it, but uh, he still tapped out, so... Yeah. Uh, but there was, I mean, a, there was a fantastic bit of camera work, like, capturing the scene with Webster looking, like, distraught with, a, like, a bloodied nose, and then in the background, the Origin celebrating with all their booty, uh, <laughs> the tag championship, the uh, natural progression trophy. Like, that looked really good. That was one of the better shots I've seen. Uh, since the best shot I've ever seen was uh, Tanahashi and Shibata, where Shibata's looking down and uh, Tanahashi walks straight past him into the spotlight. That's the best <laughs> wrestling shot I've ever seen. But this was, you know, I've got to go with the um, the old Steve Austin bleeding from the the uh, oh, yeah. face trying to power out the sharpshooter <laughs> at uh, WrestleMania 13. Brilliant. This wasn't on those levels, but it was very good. Uh, yeah, I'll give you that. Um, I could have done without Dave Mastiff singing, but uh, <laughs> moving on. Uh, one more match on, on 23. Uh, a cracker as well. Um, progress title match. Will Ospreay against Mark Andrews. Um, they had a really good match at Bowler, which was a, uh, probably only 10 minutes long. Uh, have you seen that yet? Or I've got the DVDs about five feet away from me. Right. I've got so much wrestling to watch this Christmas. It's, oh, no. it's a good problem to have. <laughs> I, I also have a stack. The uh, the match of Bowler was was a sprint. Um, it was like a condensed version of this match. Uh, so it had all the best bits in. It was like a like a best of. Yeah, I see. As, I see. It, this match is kind of like an exhibition match for British wrestling, like to show what we can do. Here's Osprey and Andrews, and they can take this match everywhere and anywhere. Like, if a promotion wants to showcase Will Ospreay, they can pick up Mark Andrews and vice versa, and they can work the match together. And it's a lot like the deal that Pentagon Jr. and Drago and Phoenix have, where they work together to make the match awesome. Yeah, to make each other look good. Yeah, so like PWG obviously brought in Britain and Mexico and showcased them in amazing matches together. 
Um, and, like, I'd compare that to, like, um, Michinoku Pros, Taka Michinoku and Great Sasuke going to WWF and having their light heavyweight match. Um, Dragon Gate going to Ring of Honor with, like, six guys who all knew each other, like, yeah, the back of their D- hand. D-Fixer and Blood Generation. Going mental and having a match of the year because no one had ever seen that style before. It's a bit like that. Like, if you want to get into British wrestling, Osprey Andrews is the matchup. And, like, you see so many promoters now booking Osprey and Andrews for their, like, little independent shows. Uh, like, F- FPW Future Pro Wrestling in Surrey have, um... Osprey and Andrews is the main event of their first show of 2016. So it's definitely a matchup where you can like exhibit the style, I guess. That has always been the case in uh, uh, around the UK, is if a match gets hot, I'm thinking um, Johnny Storm versus Jody Fleisch, they must have wrestled <laughs> each other a, a thousand times. Yeah. Um, once the word gets around that the match is good, every promoter books it. Um, so it's, it's not... Uh, a new thing by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but it is good to see two guys who are capable of having a match that good uh, together. And it is a really good match. Mm-hmm. It's so smooth. The counters um, and the difficulty level is, yeah. is insane. It's the, the stuff that they're doing is so hard and they're making it look effortless. This is like the final round of the Olympic diving kind of difficulty. Like some of us, they they almost didn't pull one of them off. Uh, yeah, which was un- just a tiny little minor flub, wasn't it? And that that was it. But I think like, it was like a like a uh, satellite um, ace crusher. Yeah, or something. they sort of span around in the air about three times and sort of landed separately rather than together. Yeah, Andrew just kind of <laughs> flew off, didn't he, up at the apex? And <laughs> but like, there was, but it still looked effective. There was two or three spots in this match which were just jaw dropping, like. There's the gif from Lucha Underground of uh, like Pentagon Jr. and Phoenix just flying up into the air together and coming down in a cacophony of violence, and it was like it was like that here, but three times. One of them was slightly botched, but it didn't really matter. Um, but it was this match was far more than just a spot fest. Like we're not giving it enough credit. Like they worked cautiously yeah, early on, and I think RJ Singh made a really good point that they were both fighting to keep the other one away from the top rope because they knew that that's how the match would finish. One of them would hit their big top rope move on another. So they were both wrestling perhaps a more cautious style, but in order to keep away from the top rope. And eventually they broke out these big moves with the huge counters and it was amazing. But it was all to get that top rope move and the first guy to the top rope... uh, Well, in the end they both hit a top rope move and Neve got the pin and then Osprey eventually hit his jump tuck prey 630 cent on for the win. Uh, I I did think they they possibly had a couple of spots that were too big to have kickouts. Yeah, I think having the the Essex Destroyer and having it as a as a kickout, I think, was probably a bit too much. Well, that was Andrews hitting Essex Destroyer and Osprey, so it's not a finisher for him. So I'm sure Will hit it as well. Uh, he might have. I can't remember now. He might have hit it to set up the six thirty sent on. Uh, yeah, but I thought you hit it earlier as well. I could be mistaken. Uh, we'll have to we'll have to look back at the tape. Um, but yeah, that is a common criticism of Will Ospreay that he does do maybe too much. I don't see it personally because he's always wrestling these big main event matches. I, I don't mind those those spots hitting. It's all about um, uh, the way that they get out of it, and it doesn't necessarily have to be a kick out. It could be a right break. Okay, yeah. 
and just just to make it more believable, should we say? Yeah, I get that. Um, as, as exciting as those big kick out spots are, I, Kevin Owens had one uh, on the last uh, WWE pay per view where he was pinned and reached out and he just just got his fingertip on the <laughs> rope and that was enough for a rope break. Yeah, that's that's the kind of thing that you need more of ring positioning. It's not easy, but it's uh, considering how hard the stuff they they were doing in the match was. I'm sure they could manage it. Definitely. Sometimes basics are more interesting than the incredible flips. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, second for me to move of the night. Mark Andrews doing a, a Spanish fly from the top rope. Oh mm. my god. <laughs> that's that's where it came from uh, originally. Uh, who originated that move? Do we know? Uh, I want to say it was the SAT. Uh, they're the first, but they, that was a tag team. They used to do it as like the both guys would oh, go yeah. up, and they they have the one guy, and they do the Spanish. Yeah, I know the, the move the, from the like old wrestling games from my youth. <laughs> um, that, that's the first time I saw anyone do it, but it's kind of gone to a like a one man move as well yeah. now. But like, uh, I think Paul Birchall used to do it as well on mid naughty SmackDown <laughs> when he was a pirate. <laughs> Pirate Paul, um, one but, of our own. Yeah, now now I associate it with Flamita, who's like a year older than me and making me feel inadequate. Well, if you think that's bad, I mean, he, he's a child, <laughs> <laughs> and he's he's obscenely good. Um, I think he's making everyone feel bad with the the stuff that he's doing. The level of difficulty again that with Flamita and the the percentage that he actually nails is ridiculously high. With, with that kind of difficulty, you'd think they'd be more screw-ups. I mean, look at Jeff Hardy. <laughs> um, there Jeff was a time where he was considered to be like the, the biggest daredevil in the world, and he'd only hit like half the stuff clean. If, if this that... was a, a triple threat with Jeff Hardy, and Jeff Hardy would have been shown up, like prime Jeff Hardy. Like he would have been shown up quite badly by Osprey. The, the thing is, he's never been that good. He's just been good at falling off stuff. And um, he had the look that captured the mid noughties audience. <laughs> well, the girls, a... anyway. Yeah, so with that one, I actually, I went slightly higher on the rating than you. I went four and a quarter stars. I thought that was a really, really yeah, good Yeah, I was on the fence between four and four and a half. I don't like giving quarter stars because uh, like a cop-out. So I went It's not a cop-out. It's a way of distinguishing between a four-star and a four-and-a-half-star <laughs> match. That's what it exists for. I... I... Slotted it into four star, just below kind of that match of a year level talk. I thought maybe the story could have been a bit better. It was a bit too exhibition-y to be like, this is the definitive Osprey Andrews match. But it was the, the difficulty level involved that for me is enough to bump it over for just because of how, how hard everything was to do. Although they made it look easy, it's they were doing some really, really difficult stuff. And anyway, that was that's twenty three. That was the show, and um, the last one in Camden. Um, for my now. notes <laughs> uh, for this year, yeah, uh, not forever, just just this year. Um, shall we move on to twenty four? Let's go for it. I, I have less detailed notes for twenty four, so I will probably forget stuff. Uh, same here. Like I'm, I still haven't finished writing a review. It, it takes me ages to write reviews. It's annoying. Like, um, like it, t- it takes a while for the, my brain to formulate all the, you know, you know how you, you write things. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I I just write things. That's that's what happens. <laughs> my my brain goes 
this was this and da 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 da, and it just comes out. Okay, so chapter twenty four, hit the north. Chapter twenty four, um, hit north. First show in Manchester. First show in Manchester, and they started off pretty interestingly because the first two matches were north versus south. The first one, Mark Haskins versus Bubblegum, who's a regular in PCW and has appeared, I think, twice in progress, both times losing, but both pretty impressive performances. Yeah, Bubblegum's been a, a pretty good talent for going back 10 years now. Um, he, he used to be a lot more uh, lightweight and, and flippity. He still has that kind of style, but he's gone a little bit more technical. Um, so he's, he's probably a good uh, good choice to, to work um Against Haskins, mm. he got yeah, he, he must have match. gotten heat with the uh, absent Rob Reed uh, for wearing the uh, Raheem Sterling shirt. Oh uh, yeah, well Raheem, <laughs> Raheem Sterling, to be fair, is a wanker, <laughs> and we're not going to get sued for that because it's true. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I'm sure Rob will, will agree with that. I mean, one. the literal definition of wanker is person who wanks, presumably. So um, yeah, you know, no, that, that's definitely not liable. <laughs> um. I, I would hate to see him try and prove prove us wrong. <laughs> <laughs> that would be terrible. So yeah, Bubblegum, uh, he does like to rile up the crowd, you know, sticking his hand in his uh, genital area and flipping them off and wearing said Raheem Sterling shirt, whereas Haskins is just super over, super babyface now. So this is a nice way to start the show just, with clear. Haskins again, he was just came in straight down to business, um, didn't want to... Uh, deal with any of Bubblegum's nonsense, and he was just the wrestler. That's what he was. Yeah, Bubblegum was solid of, performance. A, a bit like uh, Paul Robinson, he was just outpaced by Haskins. I, I'm enjoying this rebuild of Haskins. Like he lost, the, he just lost to Will Ospreay, um, but he's been taking on sort of lesser opponents, building him back up. I seriously think they're gonna pull a if Marty Skull doesn't take the title off Osprey, they're gonna uh, put Haskins on again like doing osprey haskins too yeah because that like they're really building Haskins. i was certainly paid to see that <laughs> um this is a fairly basic match like nothing amazing nothing to shout home about but um both guys worked well uh manchester audience is very responsive to bubble gum apparently I, the- I was a bit worried about the the audience but um credit to jim smallman um he did a fantastic job of stopping all the whole north south divide. Oh yeah. He was nonsense. like we're, we like shout if you're from London, shout if you're from Manchester. We're all fucking progress fans. Shout if you're yeah. a progress fan. That was really good. So that was that was perfect. It just it stopped that whole cuz the atmosphere was starting to get a bit sour for me. I don't really like the there's two groups of fans and they hate each other. I mean, yeah. where's the fun in that? You don't want the fans like becoming the story of the show rather than the wrestlers. Yeah. Um, but that was very evident um, in the first two matches, and he Jim just shut it down. Did a terrific job of, of stopping it, and he was he was struggling at the at the starks. He he was so nervous. <laughs> he even addressed it in the uh, when he was talking to the crowd at the start. He was so nervous about coming to a, a new venue. I think that's uh, part of the uh, progress. Is they've, they've become so ingrained into like London culture and uh, yeah. you know Camden that going somewhere else was a bit of a it was a bit of a shocker for him he wasn't sure what how the crowd was going to respond but um the the one thing where it did look like it was going to go wrong he corrected it himself so you know fair play fair play to Jim 
Yeah, the crowd was just as lively as it is in Camden, maybe not as in-jokey, which might be a better thing, actually. <laughs> um, as long as the crowd is, is responsive, I, I don't think it really matters how they're responding. I know you, you're starting to get a bit annoyed with how... Um, <laughs> it's um, only the occasional chant that rubs me the wrong way. Just like It's just when it's at a dramatic moment in a match, I think that's... yeah. Also, like the, we, there's never been a "We Are Awesome" chant at Progress, but like, no, I would hate that. I feel like it's, it's going to happen sometime. <laughs> I'm just, it's, I, I it live would in take away to, from the from the the work in the ring, and I don't think they ever want to do that. So I'm glad like, that we we have never heard that. When when that happened in the Seamus Randy Orton match and Matt Goldwell, I was Raw, see that like, is completely different. I was perfectly happy with that because <laughs> I can't stand Seamus, I can't stand Randy Orton, and the match was boring. So um, they they were entertaining themselves and had every right to chant whatever they wanted. Yeah. Whereas with Progress, I think you you can't really negatively have a go at any of the workers, although I'm about to. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Shall we segue into the last Natural Progression series quarterfinal match between uh, local boy Ashton Smith and Projo graduate Kyle Ashmore? Go ahead. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I'm afraid Kyle Ashmore is kind of the target of my ire here. It, it's okay to be inexperienced. It's okay to be green. Um, it's not okay to be dangerous. And there were a couple of moments during this match where he attempted stuff that was beyond yeah. him and it looked really dangerous. That, and I think Ashton Smith was lucky not to get seriously hurt. That's exactly what I thought. Like Ashmore was, he was reaching beyond his abilities here. Uh, he did that as well in the four way match he had in his first chapter show. Oh, no, his second. He, he looked kind of, uh, he was rushing stuff. And I, I think the DVD in in particular that um, when he did the Death Valley Driver, I was I was very worried about the landing. It just mm. didn't look safe at all. He needs um, to, he definitely needs to rein it in a little bit. Like, uh, but even the stuff where they were attempting stuff that wasn't dangerous, but it was quite difficult, like the near fall sequence. It was sloppy. Mm. Um, the finish was sloppy, and oh, yeah. the, uh, the he hooked a headlock in there that was so loose. I mean, you can see the air. In- I, mean, I talked earlier on about um, uh, Zach Gibson and uh, making wrestling look legitimate. The more legitimate it looks, the more leg- legitimate it feels. The more real it feels, the more invested you are in it. Yeah. And when you can see something like that, it's just like, just tighten it up a bit. Just make it look good. That's that's all you need to do. And, but it was like one hand over, over the other. And, you know, he could have just slipped his head out. It wouldn't have. It made no sense. <laughs> Um, yeah, definitely. Took he away was, from the match. He was going beyond his station, trying to do too much, like trying to sprint before he could run. I think yeah. would I mean, be the best way to put it. There are a lot of good uh, talents coming out of the Projo, and I can see how he'd want to do something like this uh, to make himself stand out because otherwise he, he feels mm-hmm. like he's going to get left behind. But he just wasn't at the, the level where he was capable of doing the moves that he was attempting, mm-hmm. and it made him look bad. Whereas I'm, I'm sure he'd be fine just sticking to what he knows and building up a, a move set. I also um, feel like this is a common problem in British wrestling. Like guys, like young guys just out of wrestling school, like trying to put on big matches and do big moves and do big spots, like before they're ready and not realizing that like 
to say I went to NXT London last night and like the match between Asuka and Emma, they really didn't do any big spots or big moves, but they still built a really good match just around like investing yeah. in I mean, the Emma the is not that particularly talented as, as <laughs> far as wrestlers go. I mean, that's no knock on her, but she can put a match together. And yeah. sometimes that that's all you need. And I thought Ashton Smith, actually, I thought he did quite well. Um, he's been around for like six, seven years now, so he's not yeah. really new um, per se. Not like a lot of the, the Projo guys who are in the tournament. Um, but the stuff that he was doing was, was basic um, or it was complex, but he knew what he was doing and it all looked fine. Yep. Like Kyle was reaching uh, too high. When Smith walked out, I was like immediately impressed just with how he looked. Like I was a bit, I had a bit of a Vince McMahon moment. Like, oh my god, this this guy looks amazing. <laughs> um, I th- I can't remember when I first saw him work, but he was very young. Um, so I'm not sure how old he is now, but he's he has been around for a while. Um, so we, you you work a lot of matches and you, you build yourself up by that. You get used to the ring. Mm. He he looks like a wrestler. He. Definitely. Whereas uh, Kyle Ashmore looked like a like a rookie, like a uh, graduate. So now that we have the four semi finalists in the Natural Progression Series, um, Sebastian, Pastor William Eva, uh, Ashton Smith, and uh, Damon Moser, who are you looking forward to seeing the most out of those guys, and who do you think could win it all? I'd really like to see Eva versus Moser in the final. I think that has the the biggest potential to be a yeah. like a really strong match. Um, I haven't seen a lot of Moser, but what I have seen, he looks snug, which is always a good thing. <laughs> um, Eva has come on leaps and bounds. Uh, I, the first time I saw him, I think it was probably about a year ago, and he got a gr- some great ideas, but like the execution of it, a little so-so. Uh, whereas now, he's coming up with new stuff in almost every match. and It's like, uh, to compare him again to, to Ashmore, it's like he wasn't very good a year ago now he is and he's because he's added things just a little bit at a time mm. and has progressed which is good really because it's progress <laughs> it's the name name of a show and name of a no. tournament so yeah i'd say yeah either is definitely the favorite to win like he's the guy oh. you could give a title shot to have it be oh, yeah, yeah. osprey either or skull either and it would be a really good match and a main event worthy match yeah, I, I definitely have Eva down as, as the guy who's further along than, than the others. Um, I Honestly, I haven't seen a lot of Ashton Smith recently, so he might be capable of, of yeah. having that spot. Um, but it's whether they want to go with uh, somebody who's basically an outsider or whether they want to go with one of their own guys. I think it's more likely they'd want to go with, with Eva because of the career that he's had so far. I'm happy that uh, they gave Smith the win here, just because he's not even a better wrestler, but I didn't want four Projo guys in that semi-final, just because it would be a bit too, not homogenous or self-serving, but you know what I mean, just like, it's nice to have that variety, I guess. Yeah, yeah, and Nashville wouldn't have been ready for that spot anyway, so... I don't like seem like I'm knocking the guy too much, (laughs) but he didn't have a very good match. No, he'll definitely have more to grow on in 2016. Yeah, uh, I, I hope to see him come back and work. Uh, his his personality seems okay. I I love the stuff he's doing with the with the beard, um, but he needs to work on keeping his feet on the ground and, like you say, learning to 
walk before he can run. Definitely. Uh, moving on now to the third match, which was six-man tag. FSU, Eddie Dennis, and Mark Andrews, and Jack Gallagher versus The Origin. Um, not not with Zach Gibson, but with Mastiff, Cruz, and Leguero. Uh This was a pretty basic match, I think it's fair to say. Like, everyone got their spots in, got their shit it in. It was um, tag team formula. Yeah. They, they ran the formula a, a lot more than I was expecting. One thing was good to see was FSU back together and Eddie Dennis looking like a hundred times more confident with his boy uh, than on his own. Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? The the difference that it makes just having Mark Andrews there and all of a sudden Eddie mm. Dennis looks like a, a star again. Whereas like the the solo matches that he's had recently have been very uh, mundane. I haven't really been into into them at all. Yeah. And just being able to like tag in and do his stuff and not having it sort of wither away over like a 10 minute stretch like he gets in ha- hits his big impact stuff which is really good and doesn't have to like expose himself yeah yeah no uh, it it was perfect really the, the pairing they didn't get an awful lot in this one I, I think it, there was probably too much of a reliance on, on the formula um, especially with it being the origin they tend to run that formula mm. every time out this is almost like a WWE match like something you'd see on Raw like not like nothing on the line particularly, but just yeah. like face team I versus heel team. Must admit, I wasn't that into it really. Uh, mm. I like Jack Gallagher. Um, I thought he was pretty good. Um, his personality's coming along. Uh, he seems really comfortable in a in a progress ring. I could see him getting a title shot at some point. And he's he's good enough. Um, but yeah, the Origin. I, I don't know. I'm just not keen on them at the moment. Yeah. Once again, like they got the cheap win and. Again, they're just they're building them up to be annoying pests, and eventually they're going to get beaten. And it's just a matter of uh, how that's going to come about. And I'm well, they sh- don't even have to lose matches; they just need to get beaten up a bit more. I think the the very best heels have been people who got beaten. I look Ric yeah. Flair, for example, and Jimmy Havoc. He made a career out of of getting beaten up. That's, yeah, yeah, and Jimmy Havoc, of course. Um, the, the very best heels are the ones that make the faces look great and then still win. Yeah, Fl- Flair was amazing at that, just like killing himself, making him look like he's in mortal peril and then just cheating and sneaking the win. Yeah, um, and like, the origin of winning anyway, so do they yeah. really need to look so strong throughout the match? I, I don't think so, here especially they, when they've got guys who can bump. Here they definitely looked way too strong, like... I thought FSU should have licked them a bit more. But interestingly enough, um, they have Dave Mastiff versus Eddie Dennis as the main event of their first Endeavor show of the year. And that, uh, the stipulation there is if Eddie Dennis wins, FSU get a title shot. And if Eddie Dennis loses, FSU have to split up. So, presumably, <laughs> so Eddie Dennis, Eddie uh, Dennis wins is them. winning. <laughs> and they're going to do a title match uh, in Chapter 25. So, that's something to look forward to. Yeah, I'd certainly uh, I'd buy into that. Um, as long as it wasn't another uh, origin formula where it's just, you know, headlocks and and then possibly a big brawl because that's not <laughs> going to help anybody, really. It would just be, it'd be good to see FSU back together in a progress ring. Like, I saw them at Flight Club Pro a couple of months ago and they were really, really good. They were against the Hunter Brothers. It was a match of a night and I had a bloody good time. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, as far as ratings go, though, I mean, like the first half of the show, I was kind of looking at it and thinking, oh, this doesn't look too good. 
and then the next match comes along and kind of blows it away. Zack yeah. Sabre Jr. versus Tommaso Ciampa. Uh, this was good. It was funny to almost have Zack Sabre Jr. be the import here versus Ciampa, the home guy. Just it's <laughs> you should look at it that way. Sabre hardly works. So. Fourth chapter of the year, Sabre's third appearance in progress, if you count his Endeavor show appearance. Um, and yeah, I missed that one. Who, who did he work on the Endeavor uh, show? Eva. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, Mark Anthony mentioned that, and I completely zoned out because I was going <laughs> to go and watch it, and I didn't. <laughs> Never mind. Um, so, yeah, this match ruled. Um, do you want to go through it a bit? I'm just trying to think of. Uh... Um, again, like uh, with, with Champa, he was a little bit odd at the start. Oh, yeah, I agree with that. Like, once again, Champa's split personality gimmick not going over with me at all. Like, it, it, it was probably had odd. less less of an impact on this one than. Yeah, here um, here there wasn't much, here there wasn't much like story stuff going on, and it didn't like affect the finish to the match, so it was inoffensive. But it still was a bit confusing in the opening minutes, like having the commentator say, "Oh yeah, Champa's a really great guy," and then Champa like he's a total asshole, <laughs> <laughs> being a being a dick to Saber. So and the fans and everybody is just it didn't make a lot of sense to me, but um... yeah. Like, either go full heel or don't. <laughs> but it would have made no sense if you'd gone full heel, because he'd kind of been working face Yeah, he's, he's, he, yeah <laughs> they were also going through the story of, like, Shampa is losing quite a lot, so, like, sort of putting sympathy on him. Like, he's losing, but coming up close every time. And then he worked heel. And then he's They're like, odd. I'm a bastard, so... It was odd, but after the opening few minutes, it really didn't affect the match, because it became, like, a back-and-forth contest. Using Champa's size against Saber's skill really well. Um, I really enjoyed. That. I'm a watcher of uh, of Japanese wrestling quite often, and the reason why I do that is because I really like the the stiff strikes. The you know, and um, the strikes in this were terrific. Oh, yeah. uh, the the kicks, the slaps were amazing. I I love a good uh, a good hearty slap across the chops, and they <laughs> they really laced them in in this one. I'd say this was almost the definitive Champa match. I think this is the best match he's ever had. I think that'd be fair to say. I just can't think of anything off the top of my head like, to um, counterpoint that. The, the way I feel like he's been brim he's been brimming almost to the point of having this excellent match for a while now, and in progress he's had the chance to have good matches, but he's always been booked. He's always been hit by the booking and always had to like um, throw away some stars so that the story can be told. Uh, mm. But here, like it was just two uh, veterans, two world travelers going at it in a progress ring. Yeah, and it wasn't just um, uh, them kind of standing there slapping each other for twenty minutes or whatever, how long the match was, but. Um, they went through the full range of, of stuff. Yeah. Um, like I some of the submissions were some, really yeah, good. Some of the submissions and submission transitions were just tremendous. Mm. They were really good in their first match in the Super Strong Style tournament, but here they were on another level. And just ha by virtue of going, like having a longer match, letting more things develop and sink in, and like Sabre Jr. gets the armbar and Champa reverses out of it into Project Champa and then still can't get the win. Like, just really exciting back-and-forth stuff. Yeah, and countering out of the spots as well. It was just about everything that you'd, you'd really want from a good match. And, of course, the near finishes. Uh, 
but the second half of the match had so many near finishes. Like both guys just... just get kicking the other one, like the Katsuyori Shibata or something. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm there going like, oh, it's over, it's over. No, it isn't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure I went in not knowing who had won, which um, made I, it even yeah, stranger. I, I didn't know who had won either, I think. Um, I had an inkling Shampoo would win just because I didn't think that he'd be leaving progress without like any wins. Unless, it, like, Big Demo, who hasn't appeared in progress since. Um, that's his only win up until this point. So we could probably talk about what's in store for both of these guys, because it's likely that Neve will be in a progress ring for long in 2016, or even at all. They might get Champer on loan, possibly. Because uh, I know he's... He's kind of moved to Florida now, hasn't he? It's, yeah, um, I don't, I don't know what deal. the deal is with Champa in NXT. Like, obviously, he's been working there for almost half a year now, but yeah. he's not. Well, to start with, it was him and uh, Gargano, and they were just kind of there for the tag tournament. Yeah, but he he seems to keep cropping up. He was on just last week against Samoa. Yeah, Joe. Yeah, so Samoa Joe. Yeah, is is Gargano still there? I don't know. <laughs> I haven't seen him. I I really don't know what the deal is because they've got certain guys that they they've borrowed from Evolve, and then they've got other guys who were on like contracts where they work there, but they can work in other places as well. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's not cut and dry like it used to be. If somebody went to work for for Vince, that would be it. You'd never see them again. But that doesn't seem to be the case with guys who are uh, under contract there in NXT. It's... I do have a feeling that. Uh... They do like Champer a lot, though, and they may NXT him, like, full-time. Maybe even change his name, I don't know. But I feel like that's what's going to happen, and Progress are almost booking towards that. I think he may get a title shot and lose that, and that'll be the end of him in the promotion, and it'll be, like, a big send-off for a guy they've really taken under their wing. Uh, One would hope he didn't, you know, act like a complete dick in his last match. (laughs) (laughs) But, um... With Champa, you never really know. I they've they've done a really good job with Champa. I've been critical of him certainly this year, but like bringing him in for the Strong Style tournament that was a big deal. But he was still outshone a bit by Roddy Strong in that sense. But but Roddy is he is a world beater, isn't yeah. he? Over Roddy Strong. But like over the last three chapters, they've really told a good story with him and him getting this really cathartic win over big time Saber Junior. That was really good storytelling. Well, Saber's not really like what you call a a regular for anyone in the in the UK, just because yeah, he's, he's so busy elsewhere. He's almost like um, he's his special attraction. He's Brock Lesnar, mm. <laughs> UK Brock yeah. Lesnar. Like he comes in, everyone loves him, and he's really awesome, and he usually wins. So getting a victory over him, as Will Ospreay did in the tournament, really does mean something. Yeah, interesting. It'll be interesting to see how they get used next year, if at all. And of course, Zack Sabre Jr., the rumours are flying around regarding him, so he's a he's probably the hottest free agent heading into next year. Yeah, I, honestly, I don't know. Because um, he's, le- he's, le- he's officially left like... Noah now. Oh, has he? I did yeah, not know that. he had his last matches against the Gower, and he's he's gone. Rat boy. <laughs> Um. Yeah. Well, Noah weren't really using him that well. The he had a couple of matches with uh Daisuke Harada. Yeah. That I thought were just fantastic. Yeah, he's. Uh, and then he was 
back in the the tags with with a Gower, who I've never really liked, and the matches are okay, I suppose. But um, <clears throat> it's I, I don't feel like they were they were making the best use of him no. in general. Well, they were. Totally I think this is why the they weren't. They never gave him that shot with the singles title because they knew that eventually he would fly the roost, and now he has. Yeah. So where's he going? That's the the question. Well, you know, there's that place in Florida. Um, it is getting to the point though where how many guys can they sign up in NXT? Again, like he has the Evolve connection, so even though Baron Corbin doesn't know what it is, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's all indies are Ring of Honor to him. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. We're we're in Ring of Honor. <laughs> we uh, need to get back there. And he he was like the number one name that WWE.com article mentioned when they said like, uh, yeah, they did we're, mention we've, him. we've teamed up with Evolve, so here are some Evolve guys, and here's Zack Sabre Jr. You may want to keep <laughs> that name up. <laughs> so, yeah, it's been it's Given been his quality, you wouldn't be surprised if New Japan made an offer. Uh, that could also be a destination. It would depend on what kind of offer it was, because, you know, is he going to be content being a junior Ooh. in New Japan? Or he could he do the Kenny more? Omega deal, where he's champ for a year and then goes up. Yeah, but Kenny hasn't gone up yet, so, you know, let's not uh, count <laughs> those chickens before they've hatched. Yeah, I'm living in the future. Yeah. Well, the future is now, Triple H said so. <laughs> this is your brand, <laughs> whatever that means. Yeah, I've, I guess that means I own some of it mentally <laughs> we're getting way off topic here oh no yeah oh, it's terrible this is the trouble with like you don't have rob here to just say yeah. no, get back on get back on <laughs> so fifth match of this show sumerian death squad versus london riot it's a really big match for like uk british like uk tag team scene um but maybe one that was still telling a story and i, I i'm still annoyed that they haven't let the Sumerian Death Squad really loose since that match with the Americans and just how awesome that was. And since then, they've sort of been contained in stories and doing angles and like fleeing cage matches. <laughs> I know that's not the same promotion. It's but, not uh, the same promotion. I'll throw it in there. Like, um, I like this match. I oh, really yeah. did. It was, it was a violent match. Um, it, I like that it kind of started off a little bit violent and things escalated. Whereas my complaint with that uh, Champer and Skull was that it did it like the reasons for the escalation just didn't seem to be there. It just suddenly went yeah, from there was back and forth there was to established anger. beef between these two teams. Well, uh, we knew going in the Sumerian Discord were pissed. They'd had the YouTube like promo where they just were beasts. We know that they're they're, they're faces, but they're evil essentially. Like they <laughs> they come from hell. They're the Illuminati, etc. <laughs> And like their faces, but here we saw the nasty side of them, and I thought that was really good. Just this, like you say, really violent match with just tons of strikes, all action, straight from the word go. Like there was no, no like resting around, no headlocks, just going straight into the strikes, going straight into the big moves. Both teams wanting to beat up the other, and eventually, this Marin Death Squad took advantage, and then didn't take it. They didn't take the win. And instead, they wanted to send a message. They just destroyed the London riots and left and kicked RJ Singh off the apron and <laughs> were generally RJ. just really dickish and showing that evil side, but they haven't I, really shown I did enjoy that the crowd still bought on them as, as faces. 
um, despite the whole like we don't want to win the match, we just want to hurt someone. Yeah. There's there's a mentality there that I think people can connect with, where it's like, yeah, they're pissed off. I, this has happened to them, and they're angry about it, so they're not going to want to win and a yeah. match. They're just going to want to you know fuck someone up. They they like I say, emo those matches with, with the three teams weren't very good. Like they told a a good story that they this was developed here. This was way better. There was a really good match prior to the story kicking in, and the match led in like led into the story bit really well. So it was all very cohesive. It was all very natural. Nothing felt forced, and like it fits with the Death Squad's gimmick perfectly. Also, Tommy End. Tommy I End. Want to call him out on this match? Incredible. So work. good. I've actually written majestic down in my notes. <laughs> like. Uh, he took the match and was just like, this is how it's going to go. I felt like he planned the whole thing and it was going from one piece of Tommy End awesomeness <laughs> to, to the next. Like, he's like, this is happening, then this is happening, then this yeah. is happening. And when the guys looked at him like, what, what do we do? He just, don't worry, I got you. <laughs> <laughs> just follow Tommy End's lead. Tommy End was amazing in this match. And like, like I say in the chapter 23 we were talking about earlier, like, he was relegated to kicking and punching and throwing Legero into the chairs. Here, he was unleashed with just the beastly strikes, the freaking moonsault, which, like you said, oh, is yeah. majestic. Moonsault, like, flying, spinning knee strikes. Who <laughs> just spinning knee strikes? <laughs> when he's allowed to be, he's, like, top ten wrestler in the world. And Michael Dante fits in perfectly around him with, like, the tag team moves, like, the big Hoss takedowns, yeah. like, they're such a great team. But everyone was really good in this match, but Tommy End was added, operating at a level oh, above yeah. everyone else. And, Super. Oh, so good. Performance of uh, the weekend, I'd say, even after I'd the Sabre Junior Champa match. Oh, yeah, yeah. Really, really strong performance, man. Uh, so my only bug uh, with this match was the there was no tags. It was just like they, oh, yeah. they kind of at the start... <laughs> Yeah, it's a tag team match with no tags in it. Yeah, they literally never, started off never brawling, <laughs> never, never started tagging, and the ref just let them get on with it. Um, they could have just made it no DQ, maybe, but then the finish was a DQ, so yeah. <laughs> I don't really get that. That kind of took um, me out of it a bit. But it was a really exciting match. It was really creative, so they got away with it. Yeah. They got a pass. We'll, 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 we'll give them a pass on that one. They can have a pass. Uh, so with the post-match angle, do we think that uh, the Bangra Knights are coming back, RJ Singh and Daryl Allen? Um, I'm not sure. Because um, RJ basically just went down there and got kicked in the face, and that was it. <laughs> was it kick in the face or a punch or something? Uh, it was a big Tommy End kick in the face. Kick in the face. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the way he was talking, he was saying he, he's retired and so maybe not, but um, maybe uh, Daryl will get himself a new partner and come and have a go, possibly. <laughs> well, in a, I in can't a, see it working out well for him. But <laughs> <laughs> in a endeavor, um, Daryl Allen's a heel right now, and he's like managing Earl Black Junior, the default character, <laughs> which isn't his intended gimmick. It's his adopted gimmick uh, after everyone picked up picked on him for looking generic. Um, but they like I think that if they did want to go full SDS heel turn, be destroying the Bangra Knights and a half retired RJ Singh would like really cement them as a heel if they wanted to do that. Well, I don't think they really need 
to be heel so much is just they're going to be themselves. The crowd's going to cheer. Half of them will cheer for them anyway. Um, so I don't think they necessarily need to, to push them towards heel because I think they're going to get cheered anyway. But um, just having them as badasses, there's nothing wrong with that. And anyone who wants to come and have a go is welcome. And now we're when we get SDS riots too, that's going to be off the charts. It's going to be brutal. I, I have a suspicion they're going to break stuff. Um, is that actually inked in for? It's not 25? yet, no, but it's it probably going to happen. Be. Yeah, <laughs> I'd be surprised if it wasn't. I don't know if it's going to happen at chapter twenty-five or later, but we'll see. Yeah, it's definitely they've got it lined up. Yeah, it's a can't miss. Yeah, uh, even if they book another non-finish, if it's violent enough, you probably get a pass for that yeah. as well. Moving on to the semi-main event, Rampage Brown versus Marty Skrull. Yet another singles match for Skrull to cement his new character, coming out to the new music and looking like with his new leather pants look. <laughs> what do we yeah, think? Yeah, the new music was shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's basically um, just the most depressing thing I've ever heard. I... I get that he's trying to like not have music that you can sing along to, but what was that? What was it? Just it's the just noise. Yeah, background noise. It didn't do anything. Um. So yeah, I get why he's done it. I just kind of hated it. Could have picked, and not in a good way either. In a like, I don't really wanted this to be here. Well, it contrasted well with uh, Rampage Brown and his sing-along song, so <sighs> I guess it got the face more support. I think if he's going to do that, he might as well just, just have no entrance music. Yeah, he could do that. Walk out. No, I think no entrance music would actually be better. better. Yeah. Nothing to sing along to. No, no whoop whoop. <laughs> just walk out there. <laughs> Fuck you all. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I don't know if you saw um, on uh, the Twitter, um, but Skull had posted a picture up um, where he, he was sat on the train and he the, the caption read, uh, getting a lot of heat on this train. And he put his bag across two seats and then he was sat like on the outside of a, another seat and he yeah. was basically taking up an entire table by himself. What? Oh, magnificent heel work. <laughs> I mean, he's living the gimmick. <laughs> he really is. I mean, if I saw that and I saw it was him, I'd be like, you are a piece of shit. <laughs> Congratulations. Uh, I'm uh, is is he going too fan. far <laughs> as a heel? No, because you can never go too far as a heel. He's currently embroiled in a Twitter feud with uh, KLM Airlines for breaking his suitcase. <laughs> <laughs> oh, So he's having fun on the Twitter, definitely. Definitely. I, he almost got me to bite with that one as well. <laughs> I, I must admit, I, I almost replied, he was like, you selfish motherfucker. But uh, I kind of uh, held it together. Except now I'm kind of ranting about it on a, on yeah. a podcast. But um... <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, Rampage Brown looked really good here. Like, he took the t-shirt off finally, and yeah. <laughs> He's a big guy, and like, really contrasted with just girls sliminess to have like this big roadblock in his way yeah i think uh marty he does kind of struggle when he's faced with somebody who's bigger than him yeah i'd say i think yeah. it's um 
it makes a lot of his moves look less legitimate. Um, just because he's not quite sure. He doesn't tend to wrestle bigger guys very often. And um, I think I noticed it the first time <clears throat> when he was working Shelton Benjamin. And Shelton's not a big guy by any respect, but he's he's fairly muscular. And he's like, what, 6'2 or whatever. And he just seemed to have trouble landing a lot of stuff and kind of working around the size of his mm. opponents. And he did that with, with Rampage here. Less To a lesser extent, the match wasn't like a, a disaster like that one with Shelton was. I thought it was shit. <laughs> but um, this one, you could see him struggling a little bit to kind of figure stuff out. And um, I, I don't know if that's just a... Maybe he should drop certain moves when he's wrestling certain opponents or, and save him for when he's just working a, a junior, like with mm. someone his own size. I'd, I'd say that's an experience thing. Like... He's not that used to working big heavyweights. Like yeah. I, I would have thought he'd have he has. probably have found a way around it by now. He's been a worker for long enough that it, you'd think he'd know better. But um, I'm not just having a go at him because of the whole train thing. It's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it's something that has bugged me for a while. And it's kind of gone by the wayside a bit because he's been wrestling guys his own size. And even when he wrestled Nakamura, I thought he looked really good and he sold everything well. Mm. But then Nakamura is one of the best in the world. So was it just that was covering it up? Um, I don't know. But I, I had issues with uh, with some of that. And it's about, um, like I was saying earlier on about realism, I don't feel like he, his moves look realistic sometimes because he doesn't, he can't throw his weight behind them like he does against smaller guys, and that kind of hurts the legitimacy of it. But that's that's how I felt about this match. Yeah, I definitely get that. Um, he's, I guess, his best opponent would be Will Osprey, who's kind of the same size as him. So yeah, he probably you know, he works definitely better to guys who are his size. Zack Saber as well. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, given um, that history, it helps. But... Yeah. What did you think of um the memorability of this match? I felt felt like it was kind of just there like there wasn't a lot that you could really hit on as talking I, th- I think that's quite deliberate though because um like marty's been trying to remove anything fun um so the, the only thing he did in this one really that i could remember was he he was still yelling chicken wing before going after the chicken wing everything else was gone like there was no like uh super yeah. kid just kidding or anything like that um when he when he does that chicken wing thing i i always think of uh benny in the in the lego movie like, chicken! <laughs> <laughs> chicken but, um, fair enough <laughs> that's possibly more of a baby facey type yeah gimmick well, but then it's the only thing i can remember him doing apart from the finish uh, the umbrella he really is finish. getting rid of like a lot of his stuff and he now needs to start working on like bringing in a new character he's He's done very well in getting rid of his old character. Now he needs to put layers on his new heel character to really like uh, make something memorable to happen. Because here it was kind of just he was there. I, I will give him credit where it's due, though. He's had two matches on these two shows, and the finish on both of them has been like creative. Yeah, I really like the finish with striking Brown with the umbrella. Nobody was looking like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and he's a real piece of proper shit. broke it as well. It was uh, he didn't just it wasn't a love tap or anything like yeah, that. It he, was it was a proper smack. With I think he, he always them. breaks the umbrellas when uh, he gets through quite a lot of them. <laughs> <laughs> Probably gets him at a discount umbrella <laughs> warehouse somewhere. Cambridge, Cambridge discount umbrellas. 
So that was that. <laughs> yeah, Skrull's going to be the next challenger for Osprey. He came out after the end of the main event and beat up Osprey. Um, yeah, he did do the uh, the whole, like, if you don't give me a title shot, I'll hurt him. Oh, he felt thing. like a very discount Jimmy Havoc. There. Yeah, a little bit. And I thought, like, the, the way uh, Jim Smallman, like, quickly went, oh, okay, okay, you can have your title shot, uh, was a bit... Yeah. When, when, like, when Jimmy Havoc did that sort of thing, it felt dangerous and, like, anything could happen. Here, it very much felt like, this is wrestling, this is how they get to the next match, whatever. So yeah. It's still going to be a very good match, though. Yeah, I mean, it's going it to be a tremendous is. match. And they're doing it in Rev Pro as well, so we get to see it twice. <laughs> uh, uh, both in January, he's like, yeah. doubling up on... Twice in two Skull weeks, I think. Osprey. So that'll be interesting. And I'm busy. I can't go to anything. So oh, no. <laughs> I know. I'm going to have to get reports. Um, So hopefully that will really cement Skull as a heel going up against top babyface Osprey. And he's definitely going through a cocoon phase right now. Hopefully he'll blossom into a caterpillar. <laughs> Not a caterpillar? Jesus. No, that, that's completely, completely wrong, messed that it? one up. If Rob wants to be kind and edit that. No, he'll blossom into a Rob. butterfly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, can you see him winning? I can. Still. Yeah, I can definitely see him winning that. He's... And I think that is a good thing for him because I think Osprey's title matches uh, since winning, even the one with Haskins, I thought were just, they were there to kind of establish him as champion and have a series of wins. I didn't really see him losing. Not yeah. even with um, This will be Mark the first Andrews. time Osprey's title is in real jeopardy. Yeah. Like, Absolutely. So that'll be a really exciting main event. And there is always that possibility of them changing the belt there. Um, yeah. I, and I don't know what's going to happen, which is always that's always <laughs> a bonus. So if, we've kind of pre-buried the main event, but we'll move on to it now. Will Ospreay, Zach Gibson, and Flash Morgan Webster. Uh, certainly an interesting dynamic. Gibson and Webster, their first time in a main event. Uh, pretty much anywhere outside of Liverpool for Gibson, and possibly ever for Webster. So... This is a real interesting opportunity for them to work in the triple threat environment in the new city. Uh, it was a bit of a risk, maybe not putting on like an established match like Osprey Haskins and instead going for Gibson and Webster in this spot. But I think they delivered really well. It was a much better match than I thought it was. It was certainly better than like Osprey held it together. Um, there is a, a trouble with um, with doing a triple threat match where. If you don't have spots with all three people involved, someone's got to lie down on the floor. Mm. And they did that quite a bit. Um, I, I don't really like the, the whole one-man rest, two guys work yeah. thing. And they did that quite a lot. Um, I could have done with the first half of the match having more like deliberate three-way spots. They did have some stuff, um, but not really enough for, for this to hit another level. Yeah. I'd, I'd hit it like like three and a quarter, something like that, if we're going snowflakes. I, uh, Os- Osprey was being a cheeky little shit at the start of a match, just like kind of waving to the crowd and being like... Yeah. yeah it was <laughs> Like, he's super likable, but like he also has these little moments of kind of dickishness that <laughs> he could maybe turn into a heel character down the line. I think he, he definitely could do that. I mean, he has a a degree of arrogance about himself. Um, I think he's fairly grounded at the moment, but it's the yeah. kind of thing where he could turn that into a, a personality trait, and I'd be fine with that. At the moment, he's doing such great babyface work, but I think if there's a place to turn him heel as well, it would be progress. I think it's it's so much edgier and 
and vibrant that yeah. they'd be more accepting to something completely off the wall. But I don't know who they'd... They'd have to put him with someone to, to really turn the fans on him, but I don't know who that would be. Definitely. It's just a, it's a idle thought right now. <laughs> yeah, it's too early to do it. But, um, um, and definitely he definitely something. anchored this match, like you said. Like a lot of it was oh, Osprey versus yeah. Gibson, Osprey versus Webster. Two very different styles clashing. Uh, yeah, like but he Osprey made them Webster both kind of, look good. Yeah, Osprey. He made Webster, Webster look terrific. Flying around it was possibly the best Webster's ever looked in that kind of oh, absolutely matchup. Yeah. And then Osprey and Gibson, we know they work well together. Um, and yeah, Gibson looked really dangerous. Like he controlled a lot of his time in a ring with Osprey. And Osprey is fantastic at selling submissions and like doing the screaming and yeah, really doing that arm work justice. He was doing some really top top selling in this one. The um, a, one of my biggest complaints about selling is that people would do a move, and then be like, "Ow, oh, that hurt my knee." Um, but in this one, he went for a handspring and it buckled. Oh yeah, that's true. And it just kind of collapsed when he was upside down. That's that's selling. Yeah, and that's the sort of thing that makes him look like he's in jeopardy. Like, it makes you believe that he's about to lose his title. And there was a fantastic near fall. Oh, um, are you talking Os- about the um, Osprey hits the... Uh, was it 450? I think it was the 450, not the 630, but he hit a big top rope move. And, and then Gibson comes in and throws him out, out the ring. Yeah. And everyone just went, oh no! <laughs> yeah, that is exactly the reaction I had. I like, was... I was literally, like, I stood up. I had it on the TV and I was across the room typing up a couple of notes. And um, just to that that fall, I was like, no, 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 no. So um, that shows that, you, that Gibson has that degree of heat where I'm, like, I'm freaking out because of the possibility of him actually winning the title. So that's uh, that's something for them to use down the, down the line, yeah. certainly, but probably uh, not just yet. I definitely feel like Gibson is the feature main eventer out of the pair of Gibson and Webster. Like yeah, I, Webster has a lot of potential, but um, he's only just starting to realise it. I feel like he's a Neville type, like the way they use Neville in WWE. Like he'll never be a main eventer, or will he? <laughs> but like right uh, now, he's certainly like mid card, like tumbler rather than. Yeah, I think he really. You have to bring more to the table than he's currently got if you want to be a, yeah, a main eventer, even in, in the UK. But he showed stuff against Osprey where I was looking at him thinking he's, this is more potential than I've ever seen from him mm. before. He's had a really good year of development. Like He had a really good match with Gibson to start off the year for that MPS final and then kind of faded. Um, but he's been doing good work in like the Midlands promotions that I've seen him in. Um, so yeah, he's really improved as the year's gone on. Yeah, I wouldn't say I'm I'm easily enthused about either uh, Webster or Gibson, um, but they did okay here. I, I was not expecting them to to deliver a, a really solid match, but they did, and I think uh, a lot of the that is down to Osprey. Yeah, Osprey is really good at making other guys look great, and that ultimately is that's what you want if from your champion. Definitely, and uh, I think every match he's he's had since winning the belt. Uh, as there's been at least good um, you can't ask for any more than that so we could probably segue that thought into summing up progress in 2015 because this was their final show of the year and like it has really been a year of Will Ospreay like a transition from the focus on Jimmy Havoc at the start of the year 
they 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 began the year well, with an Osprey. The, the first uh, podcast we did, I think you talked about um, the whole Jimmy Havoc angle. I think we talked about it for an hour. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I remember just sitting here the <laughs> drinking uh, while you and Rob were talking about it, and um, yeah, I was quite drunk by the end of it. Uh, so they've come a long way in terms of the storyline progression. I'm interested to see what they do with Havoc next. Because he hasn't had that one match since losing the title. and Yeah, and that was nothing. almost like an a, a epilogue of that story. So Yeah, like, it played out quite well. I think we won't see him for a while. I think progress is in a very different place as it was to the beginning of last year. Like They've cemented the Sumerian Death Squad, and they've got the Origin, who were nothing at the, be- like the beginning of the year. They were the faceless, but that was a whole different thing, and they kind of rebooted that. Um, they didn't really have any focus on imports, and now they have Shampa, and uh, Roddy Strong is always like in place to return. Um, I guess FSU are back, <laughs> just well, like they were last being, year. Being successful has, has allowed them to do things like that. Yeah, and like they've turned a lot from... like In 2014, they were very anchored on jimmy havoc and like you came to the show to watch jimmy havoc fight and maybe lose his title maybe like he was the big star they were they started bringing osprey through towards the end of last year um and they definitely had in mind that they would push him in this year but that was still sort of a bit far away once uh havoc lost the title things really changed around and like the way they've structured the cards has changed quite a bit like I feel they have a much more set rotation of guys on the roster now than they did even a year ago. Like, it's always the same names. It's always uh, Jack Gallagher, Eva, Skull, Brown, uh, Dennis, Death Squad, Riots. Like, uh, whereas before in 2014, you'd get quite a lot of mixing and matching, and guys who will probably never be seen again in progress were still appearing on shows up until, like, Chapter 12, Chapter 13. I feel like now they've turned it into a lot more of, like, a defined product they know what they're doing each and every show it's less it's like they they developed their own uh, roster now to the point where they have regulars yeah and but they they can still bring in new guys like ashton smith and have it not be gratuitous i think the the thing with progress is um you you have people come in and they really want to perform in, in progress because uh not so much that it's a stepping stone but the it gets them noticed. Oh yeah, like um, my favorite example of that would be Tyler Bate and just being overawed at the reaction he got from the crowd. Like that was a really special moment because it was like such an emotional connection between the wrestler and the fans, and that's something that Progress has now that it is so big. I'd say it's the number one wrestling promotion in the UK, not the number one drawing promotion. That would be ICW, mm. but if in terms of match quality, you can't beat Progress. You could argue Rev Pro, but then yeah, but then they don't use as many. They bring guys. in far more guys. Yeah, to, they bring to get in that Nakamura, and he has amazing matches. So yeah. it's not quite the same. Yeah, progress is more about bringing up the homegrown talent and building the shows around them, and then when there's imports, they're imports to enhance their guys or become their guys themselves. I'd say Shampa more like in the second half of this year, has been a progress guy more than anything else. I don't know what else he's been regularly featured in. Obviously NXT, but he's sort of fitted in around the edges of her, not being a feature. Uh, evolve, probably? I, I don't know. 
I don't know how many shots he's had in Evolve, though. Like, <laughs> you're you're clicking. Match. I can hear you clicking. Yeah. <laughs> you're on cage match, aren't you? Let's go cage match. <laughs> Fill me in. <laughs> so I, I normally well, don't like to don't like to do that. I like to come in prepared, but then uh, there's always something where you come up. Yeah, uh, and all of a sudden the brain stops working. You're like, where where else does he work? And that's when you have to go to cage match, which is um, why Rob is doing a podcast with Strigger this evening because he is cage match and he can remember everything anyway. Doesn't need to click on anything. Mm. I mean, he's done PWG. Um, and just yeah, he's been working around, but I don't think yeah. like, I mean, he works everywhere. Yeah, he. <laughs> quite literally everywhere, pretty much every match is a different icon, but I'd say his most impactful appearances have been progress. Um, before we are done with uh, 24, I thought we should mention uh, Callum Leslie. Oh yeah, definitely. I um, seeing as he was on one of our podcasts that I wasn't on, <laughs> so I don't know what he said on it. But, uh... <laughs> Yeah, he was he was really good on our podcast and really good here. Um, uh, he almost didn't make the show. Uh, I remember seeing, but he made it just in time to commentate on it. And I think he did a really good job. In fact, I think he did a better job um, than the usual uh, commentator, Glenn Joseph. And uh, they'd probably have him on uh, the London shows if he could make it every time. But he's now the regular Manchester commentator because it's uh, closer to where he lives. And I thought he did a fantastic job, like really. Yeah, I was I was really pleased with the not just the the match calling, but the fact that he he brought up finishes from previous matches when yes. they were happening and calling back to earlier uh, like old feuds and stuff. It's like the history that he put into it. It's what you want from like a really good color commentator. You want them to reference back to stuff, and I, for me, he did a, a killer job. He did a fantastic job of. Uh being the progress historian that he is billed as and especially during that six-man tag it made that match feel a, a lot more interesting just because he brought up all the issues that everyone had yeah the issues and the, the previous matches that they'd had between and like the, the old uh, storylines and stuff it's it kind of wove everything together definitely um i don't know whether the booking of the matches was intentional to allow that or whether he just brought that information in with him but um it it enhanced the product. And he even did a good job of calling the Brown Skull match on his own after yeah, by himself, RJ Singh yeah. got kicked or kicked in the head. Poor RJ. So, yeah, definitely great job. Yeah, big big shout out to Callum. And see, as we, we're done uh, with the progress chatter, I thought maybe we could have a bit of a talk about NXT as soon as you were there. Oh yeah, of course. Uh, as we record this, it was last night. It'll be a few days ago now uh, when you're listening to it. But yeah, NXT TakeOver London uh, qualifies as British wrestling, I suppose, if it happened. Well, the crowd was definitely British. The crowd yeah. was certainly British. Like, but I recognise a lot of progress favourites in there. <laughs> the kind of football chanting. Um, hey Jude. Oh. <laughs> hey, hey, Bailey, <laughs> and then it bonus points if you perfect. bonus points if you added Uha onto the end <laughs> in Uha Nation. Um, yeah. uh, did you see <laughs> Bailey smile when she heard that? Uh... Well, I, I couldn't see any faces because I was. Oh, that was too bad. Scenes, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the the little smile that she gave when uh, when that chant kicked in is ah uh, is joy, pure joy <laughs> of wrestling. 
And yeah, I saw pro- plenty of Progress shirts being represented. Progress wrestlers, like I said, sat next to one of them. <laughs> um, they, they gave... I think they were all there, weren't they? All the uh, the owners. Yeah, yeah, the owners were there. Uh, didn't see them, unfortunately, but that would have been cool. Uh, the gable- gabling and Jordaning took over. My dad loved it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so just... what was his verdict on his the first ever wrestling show? Uh, Does he watch any wrestling, or is it just this like was a... pretty much the first? Re- I I do remember him saying that he accidentally watched TNA a couple of years ago when oh, it was on dear. Challenge. Like he was just channel flicking, and TNA came on, and was like, ah, fuck it, I'll just watch this. <laughs> I don't think he used those words exactly, but um... he would have done afterwards. I'd... <laughs> <laughs> uh, he really enjoyed it. He especially liked like the wrestling focus of the show, less so proper stuff. Um... Mm. And the like, being part of that crowd was tremendous. And when guys come here and say we have the best fans in the world, sometimes it feels like blowing smoke up our ass. But <laughs> when you see show- shows like that where the crowd is just so responsive to everything, I, like I was actually a little worried beforehand because I, I, a couple of people were getting a bit you know braggadocious, and I was thinking <laughs> like, are, are they actually gonna turn up and make a load of noise, or is it just gonna be like, no, you you say something first, no you. <laughs> and, and everyone would just be sat there quietly going like, yeah. it's jolly good. But uh, no, it didn't happen. It's like, they made perfect. Bailey look like a megastar, and the Gable and Jordan looked like they weren't on the actual special, but they'll be on the TV next week. They were just put over huge, and the Did final match... Did you see the clip they had from uh, Blackpool with uh, um, Jordan and Gable? No. I have not seen that much crowd noise during a match <laughs> ever. It was ridiculous. Oh, and also there was a chant. Some some heroic soul started a Bailey chant, like "If you like Bailey, please stand up" or something like that. And just everyone stood <laughs> up in like a wave, and it was just tremendous. I and had was... a bit of a complaint about Nia Jax because the bang in the middle of the crowd doing that, she cut off the comeback, and I was like, "Oh, come on! <laughs> just wait until the wait until the crowd's finished doing what they're doing, and then you cut it off." It's annoying. Yeah, definitely. I think that was one of the best uh, NXT specials they've ever put on. And I'm not going to attribute that all to the crowd. The wrestling was tremendous. Especially oh, it certainly the enhanced event. the show. Though. But it, it enhanced the show really well. Like, you're not going to get a better crowd than that. Uh, well, possibly Blackpool. <laughs> from, from what the clip that I saw, uh, that and they, it has been referenced by a couple of people uh, from uh, the company uh, that the Blackpool show was crazy, that the, the yeah. reactions were unreal. Yeah, I can imagine like William Regal walking out. And... So he was at that show, but he wasn't at, yeah. uh, wasn't at TakeOver. So I think he'd gone home. Um... Yeah, we got to see uh, Sami Zayn after the show went off there as well. He wrestled a match in the, oh, okay. the Dark main event. So that was really awesome who, as well. Who did he wrestle? Uh, Perfect 10. Oh, Okay. <laughs> I, I, I do not understand how he is over in any way, but there we go. Oh, he certainly <laughs> is. <laughs> so yeah, that was um, a little bit of bonus NXT chatter. Yeah. Um, UK we... themed, though, definitely. Oh, no, absolutely. Uh, unless you've got anything else to add, I think we're done. Uh, we could just plug the Twitters, I suppose. I'm uh, at another Ollie. 
uh, if you want to follow me to hear me bury N Nia Jax's uh, entrance theme because it's no. a blatant Tekken theme ripoff. <laughs> oh no, she, she's not like most girls. She's not like most girls, no. <laughs> and I'm at Arnold Furious, and since I last plugged that, I've actually gone down one. I'm now down to two fifty-three, <laughs> so. If somebody out there wants to bump me back up to T54, that'd be delightful. Not that I care. <laughs> um, and that's it for um, another thrilling episode of uh, Brit Rest Roundtable. And with that, Rob, we've managed to keep it under two hours again. There's, there's something to that, you know. I think he just must talk slower than us. <laughs> okay, well, good evening. See ya. Here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery.